Fuck pain. Fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Tonight, it's interview time again as super entrepreneurs, visionaries, and Twitter bigwigs Ben Kovacs and Joe Leinfeld join us to discuss their fantastic Guardian Project to provide kids with a safe and positive community. They'll also share tales of how the incredible combo of luck, being in the right place at the right time, hard work, and just kind of making shit up every day can move you up in this world. And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind. For the Drunken Dows Podcast, begins now. Welcome back, everybody. Episode 83 of the Drunken Dows Podcast. Another exciting interview today. But before we get to that stuff, introduce to my pal, the middle finger of the gods himself, and the hiccupy man from, from, from Milan, Daniele Bolelli. Yeah, I'm going to try to go through the intro without hiccup all the way through. I haven't been able to get rid of it for the last few minutes. Let's see if the magic of the microphone be known. I tried to spook to... him and it didn't work at all. It's not anything helpful. I am spook proof. It, it just cannot happen. But um, that was, by the way, my computer having a hiccup making that sound. I went ping. It's just a good day for that. Yes. So quick thank you to the usual gang of three who keep us in business. Onni.com, that's Usara. Yes, that's the rich shaking some... Uh, it's a fresh supply of, uh, of some delicious... Alpha Brain. Alpha Brain. Yes. What do you got there? Alpha Brain. I got the Alpha Brain. I got the earth-grown nutrients, which I really like. I do like twice a week, but I just feel like vitamin-wise... It's excellent. It's way better than a lot of the other stuff. And another thing we've added to, we've found the, um, the Oxnard Channel Island Farmer's Market. So it's like a giant bale of oranges, like six bucks. So nice. now we have fresh squeezed orange juice every morning and cauliflower. You know, it's winter, so cauliflower and cabbages. and That's awesome. Good. And, of course, strawberries year-round out here. Yeah, well, California. But we really did well. I mean, we ate everything out of uh, everything. It's like almost pretty much vegetarian for four days in a row. Check you out. Just to, well, I like like Swiss chard and things like that. There's big bales of that available right now. Just, nice. Oh, my God. And in that one that you got there, the earth ground nutrients is basically all packed in in like a powder. Like, so yeah, it's like everything from like grape seed extract. Yep. And it's 50-something different great ingredients, but all of them with a tiny little bit of nutrition for you. And last but not least, I walked in carrying a mace. I'm excited about that. Rich is going to start going on the Steel Maze program. Aubrey has a downloadable instruction for like five bucks or something super cheap. Sweet. I shall download it. It takes you to the whole uh, workout that he does with the maze. It's pretty badass. I I tried last night. It was intense. Can you feel it even though it's not super heavy? Because you're you're, – like hold a stick out it's no gonna, you want to start really light i start with this the tiniest one they have like a seven pound mace which sounds like nothing except that since all the weight is at the end is actually not as tiny as you would think 
but um but then i moved to the 10 and you know i i feel like go super safe initially and then worry about adding weight eventually but not until you have the movements dialed in where you cannot possibly make a mistake awesome great stuff as always no i really like it yep good stuff and uh, of course the greatest t-shirts on the planet with shirt design t-shirts and its sister website harem pants which always gets the hatred of all the Christian fundamentalists on the planet who think that is a Muslim plot to take over the world rather than simply being a place that sells th- Thai pants. I don't know how he survived um, I Dream of Genie days. I mean, you think that would have done the world, the country, in for good because Barbara Eden was looking pretty good in her harem pants back then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, yeah. Boyfriend's an astronaut. Who knows what sort of trouble they could have stirred up. I'm sure that's where the Muslim invasion started. <laughs> the, um, and, of course, that's Usara with the awesomest hemp gear ever all the bags that we use are from them so again show our sponsor some love if you are in the market for any of these things please buy them through them the links again sorry about the hiccup i haven't drunk i'm actually just some random hiccup on its own the um, <coughs> what did i want to say the, oh yeah links are in the episode notes so discount codes are in there so if you order you can get a quick discount i definitely invite everybody to go grab that daisy house records those guys have been great to us or if you don't want the whole album just find a song you yeah. know donate a dollar 29 to nice guys that were cool enough to give us one of the coolest opening soundtracks. Oh, yeah, i love that song it's I, a shame they don't have a podcast award for that at least we could win that one no i still love <laughs> i absolutely love that damn uh the intro song that we got it's awesome i mean it couldn't have worked out better yeah uh, I think Evan introduced, uh, he put a little audio clip in the last episode after we had finished recording about the fact that uh, Not Afraid has been released, the audio version. So if you guys um, if you guys want to check out my latest book, a bunch of people had asked me to do it in audiobook format. I've done it. I'll put the links in the episode notes on where you can get it and all the good stuff. How long is it? Um, you know what? I don't know. I don't remember. How many hours it is? It took a hell of a long time to read. I remember that much, but I, I don't remember now what it was. Did you do a section at a time, or was it more like a chapter at a time? As much as possible. I mean, it's hard to record in LA unless you have a soundproof, perfect setup. There's always noise somewhere. So it was kind of frustrating. It was a lot of work where you start, you get into the swing of things. Boop, and boop, boop, boop. Exactly. And you're like, ah, to do it again luckily there's no sirens in LA oh no none whatsoever no airplanes and there's no construction next door and there's no yeah all of that stuff but yeah it got done so I'm happy that's where it's at sweet now without further ado let's get to our chat here we go Okay, guys, back for another episode. Here we go with an awesome interview, because my psychic powers tell me that it shall be so, and I never fail, so let's go with it. Guys, here we have Mr. Ben Kovacs, and Joel, I can't fucking pronounce your last name, so please. Lionfeld. Lionfeld. Thank you, yeah. thank you. He, he just Easy. said, right before we started recording, he repeated it for me about 12 times, <laughs> and I'm still at ground zero. So, yes, that's that's where we're at. So, uh, you guys are strange creatures in multiple ways. There are... Uh, 
uh, how do we even tackle it? Because you guys do so many different things. I mean, there are some projects that you guys have on that I badly dig, but also your kind of life story, the stuff you do. You guys are both, I, I can't believe I'm actually saying it, but you're, I'm struck by your youth, so to speak. You guys have accomplished some crazy things already in your life. You're young. Your guys are what, in your 30s? I'm 38 and then 34. Yep, just turned 34. 34? Mm-hmm. The fuck? I like this guy up until this point. I don't like you no That's more. That's why he has the beard now. He's yeah. older. That's, I've done that for a long time. I look like a baby and mm-hmm. no women would take me seriously. So, like, from the time I was 20 through for quite a while, I yeah. just look manly and shit. <laughs> yeah, that works. So, do tell. Let's start a little bit with some of the stuff that you guys uh, do in life for the, our listeners who don't know you yet. Then we jump into some of the projects that you guys have uh, boiling right now. So, give us a little uh, intro for our listeners who don't know you yet. Sure. So, um, this is Joel. What I really got started in a career in advertising um, at a at a you know right out of school. I was around twenty twenty one, and it was a time when the internet was just beginning to become something. And uh, I fell into this role, which was really digital marketing. No one knew mm-hmm. what that meant. I didn't know what it meant. My, my, my <laughs> title sounded like an army officer. It was. Associate Manager of Strategic Alliances. That is an army officer <laughs> yeah, title. So. What the hell? Basically, like we had, we'd had clients like J. Crew and Yahoo Shopping was something that just just launched. So we would trade like inserts in a magazine in exchange for presence on Yahoo Shopping. Right. It's before people knew how to buy media. It's yeah. before we had blogs. We had this thing called Ninja Marketing. I love that already. <laughs> ninja Marketing was you know we'd have a client like Pennzoil and. Let's say there'd be like an issue with them. We'd go into message boards and like say, no, they're great. Here are things that are happening. Or we'd create search pages that were like totally not legal by today's search standards. But that was kind of the early days when no one knew what anything was in digital. Sure. And what I love about the, the career is I just keep making shit up every day. Right. And no, but there is no clear path yeah. there. You're making the path. You're inventing the whole thing. Exactly. Uh, so I kind of threw an apprenticeship. I became a bit of a media planner. I understood how to like buy radio and TV uh-huh. and digital. And then when I was 22, I moved to Atlanta to become a director of an agency. And then I left there and started an agency. So I was 23, 24, four people starting a, like a digital agency that grew to be around 600 people. We were acquired by the largest holding company in the world. I became CEO at like 26 through, through 30. And I'd never managed a person in my life. Sure. <laughs> and just on the job, I learned a lot. And... Then I got a chance to go to Twitter in pretty early days, almost five years ago, to help them start their advertising business. And that's my current role, which is vice president of global brand strategy at Twitter, which is partnerships with the world's biggest marketers, right. our research. Um, you know, I report to our COO, and I'm, just, and I'm a huge advocate of like culture and change because my, my, my uh, major was actually cultural anthropology. Mm-hmm. Mine and, too. Yeah? No. Yep. So you were equally qualified to do nothing at <laughs> graduation. You know, I love anthropologists until I met the first anthropologist. You know, anthropology sounded great yeah. until that point. Then I kind of fell out of love with what it. Was it but that you didn't like? I think uh, the promise of cultural anthropology is awesome because it's about, in a way, there's a creative side to it, about reshaping the world, mm-hmm. you know, not purely studying the existing mm-hmm. stuff, but also what you can do with it. And instead, what I ran into was just academic tediousness and uh, we are hard science this is how we do killing completely the creative mm. aspect of it all 
And I was like, yeah, that's not what I signed up for. If I want to study the existing stuff, I study history at least. Mm -hmm. They don't fuck around with so much theory at least. And so one of in a long list of things that I love what it could be and I hate what it is. uh, That was my experience with it all. I mean, I had some fun. I had some good things going on, but. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because there were a couple of things that really drew me in. One was a great professor, Dr. Mm-hmm. Barber. He was the first um, African-American anthropologist. He studied, he's discovered the slave cemetery in New York, and he was just fascinating. He would start every day with a story that would blow your mind. He would tell us how right. he gave up um, Christianity for Lent, and he told us the whole story around that. And I remember our last class was us all sitting around, and we were just talking about, like, what we were throwing out. We were drinking beer and talking and just saying, well... You know, the will history repeat itself because now we have all this information. Like, you know, for years when mm-hmm. societies are destroyed, their records are destroyed. Yep. That will never happen again. We've got the, you know, and he sat around and he's like, it'll happen. And that's the only thing I can guarantee. And then I remember on September 11th watching the towers go down. I was right. like, oh, he was right. Yeah. So yeah. We're getting yeah. off on a tangent. But that was, so like, you know, I was qualified to do nothing, but I'm finding that because I didn't know marketing, mm-hmm. I'm a lot more um, equipped for marketing today, which is about people. Right. And what I do is study cultures. And if you look at Twitter data, it's literally seeing in ones and zeros how people move and behave. Mm-hmm. And that's where I am today. That's uh, that's kind of a, a quick story about where I am professionally. I dig it. Ben, jump in. So I, like Joel, work at Twitter, and that's, that's where we met each other. And... Um, that was where Guardian Gym was born, which is what we're going to talk a lot about today, I'm sure. I also uh, run, along with my partner Davis, a marijuana accessories company called Meister that's doing extremely well. Those of you guys who have been paying attention, you may remember one bonus episode, I believe, that was uh, Meister sponsored. So that's here is the man now. I still have my stash box. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. That's M Y S T E R for everybody who's confused. Um, and um, as well as a supplement company called Lifted View. So, um, tell Twitter, us a bit about Lifted View. What's up with that? Uh, Lifted View is just an all natural supplement that was actually developed because we were sitting around getting high one night and we were like, the beginning of all good ideas, right? <laughs> and I'm not a good, uh, like, I'm not a daily marijuana user. I'm not somebody who smokes throughout the day or anything. So I was like, why is there, there no supplement for people like me that could actually have a more productive and sustained focus with their high and also decrease anxiety at the same time? Mm-hmm. So went to work with a team of people, including a doctor, and started to figure it all out and looked what research was out there. Eventually made this supplement that really works well, that was tested on a lot of folks. And and then what we realized is... I it bet it was real hard to find research <laughs> subjects, huh? Yeah, man, I'll have some of that, man. That'll be good, man. It was really hard to get him to actually record the results. That right. was the problem. Oh, I <laughs> forgot, man. I got some Cheetos here. <laughs> so, um, you know, what we realized, though, was really crazy is we've developed it for, for marijuana enthusiasts, but what happened was it was actually a supplement that really was for people in the workplace and people that are in school because uh-huh. they want the same thing. They want to get a much more pro, uh, a much more f- uh, focused experience, but they at the same time, they want to decrease their anxiety. And yep. so many things out there give you this rush, this upper, but yep. they also they make your heart race faster and they don't make you feel less anxious. So if you're going into a meeting at work or jumping on a call with a client or trying to get your homework cranked out, yeah. you know, those kind of things don't don't do so well so it's been really it's really really great and it's done really well so far it's just six natural ingredients that are 2,000 years old that all synergize really well together well that's pretty trippy right there because it does seem like a contradiction of terms you know you have on one end the heightened focus and presence and ready to roll and at the same time you have the more let's decrease anxiety Mm -hmm. the two things usually definitely don't go together 
Yeah, and that was kind of the, the, the challenging part to make that work. And, and um, you know, some people I feel like are buying it more for the focus and other people are really more interested in the anti-anxiety component, which I think is like you know, the biggest effect that I get. Well, you discovered the perfect DAO somehow. Cool. So that's what's going on. The, um, I went once uh, before I even got on Twitter. I remember going on a Twitter rant on a Rogan podcast because mm-hmm. Rogan kept telling me, oh, got a Twitter account, got a Twitter account. And I, you know, because my days of for many, many years now have been so freakishly busy, I'm like, yeah, great. Another way in which I can send 72 messages <laughs> yeah. a day. And I was like, no, I was trying to find every excuse to resist it. Then eventually I didn't and I jumped in. But and I remember my number one excuse was like, Twitter? Really? What kind of a name is that? I'm going to tweet. You know, I was like, I think my rant ended with the fact that, you know, I'm totally fine with the idea of Twitter, but you need to be renamed Conan, you know, something manly so that I go, what do you do? Well, I just sent a Conan. He's like, oh, fuck. Okay. In that case, you know, but if you tweet, I was like, come on, dude, I have some self-respect. I can do this. You know? And what's the actual past tense for tweet? Mm, where it's not. He's trying to set us up. Yeah, I know where you're going there. There's got to be an answer. I can give you a, a tweeted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, gave, I can give you the, the, the folklore of the history of the word Twitter and why it is Twitter. Do tell. Um, so and when, not Conan, which is what I'm pissed about. Yeah, I mean, it was almost, <laughs> almost Conan. Um, basically, when, when the idea, you know, when Jack Dorsey and Evan and, and Biz and team came up with it, um, part of it was describing, like, that feeling like the twitch that you get when your phone buzzes uh-huh. that you pick up right away. But there were all these negative connotations with Twitch. And yep. if you look in the dictionary, right, um, after Twitch is Twitter. And it's about birds, you know, expressing oh, yeah, and flocking together yeah. how they communicate. So there was a little bit of serendipity there in just the name Twitter. Yeah, no, I, I get it. I get it still. I know. Yeah, Conan, it's silly. It's, no, no, <laughs> no, no, not that. It's just, you know, the alternative. It's it's it. Exactly. <laughs> yes. That's what it, you did it very well, by the way. Yes. Yeah, yeah. There's, uh, yeah, man. Well, let's. Ben is making strange gestures. Uh, I'm just stretching. I see. I haven't done, okay. done jiu-jitsu in a couple of days, so I'm starting to go a little crazy. I see. I was like, I don't know why the not having done jiu-jitsu is translated in the, and I say this with no offense meant to anybody, but with the most visibly male homosexual gestures I've ever seen in a straight <laughs> man. There's like some strange physical movement there going on, but, you know, again, uh, jiu-jitsu, as long as you don't make eye contact, it's all good. <laughs> that is the interesting thing about jiu-jitsu. I remember when Ben first came over and we rolled for the first time ever. It was my first time. Yeah. And, you know, it was, we've been friends and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about how we started to come together, yeah. but getting in my basement you know on a mat and just like embracing oh yeah <laughs> you know, where like, you are nose to nose yeah, grinding yeah. into each other face yeah. and uh it, it forces like the intimacy of dogs and i think that's a good thing yeah you know? like, no totally. uh, i i dig it and i have yeah. no problem with it but i think it's funny people yeah. who are uncomfortable with yeah, their bodies yeah. really freak out at the closeness and yes i have a whole chapter in the new book i have coming out that um deals with the sayings of a training partner of mine was completely oblivious to the monstrous dub, sexual <laughs> double meanings of the stuff you would say while training. Mm-hmm. Some of them were glorious. Like he was talking about how he doesn't mind being in somebody's garden to work ground and pound for MMA. And he started going, you know, I actually really like between a, being between a man's legs. And I was it's like, easy for you to say. <laughs> I was like, great. So that's, uh, or he was trying to explain a throw to a beginner. And he's like, well, 
Imagine that you have something sticking out of your body and you're trying to thrust it inside a hole in the center of the other person's body. And then, needless to say, the beginner never came back to class after that. I was like, do you not hear yourself, really? It's like Just it's, record yourself. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not enough that you're like in kissing distance with each other the whole time. You really have to say these things, but it's pretty funny. Phil Sims was describing a play a couple of weeks ago and he said, he came around the backside and put it in the end zone. Yeah, no, it's... Yeah, it's and especially in that contest where you're like, you know, grinding into each other. It's like, yeah, that gets interesting. I like to have a drink first. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> no, and it's funny to me because it's, um, and I swear that I stopped this tangent, but the um, grappling with women, I find interesting because so many people freak out mm. because any co- close contact between a man and a woman is always thought to be sexual. Mm. And so to me, as much as I'm a big fan of the female body and I can just, when I'm grappling with a woman, I just chase any sexual thought, just disappear out of my head. There's just none left, right? Because otherwise it becomes weird and uncomfortable for them. Then you start being all weirded out and many guys are not comfortable grappling with women, so they get all weird and I'm like, fuck that. But with kids, how do you feel with kids? I, my po- I have a non-discriminatory uh, policy. <laughs> if you are a warm body and we're fighting, I don't care what the body looks like. You are a man, you are a woman, you are old, you are young. You It's the same policy that I have of uh, rather than training Careful, in yeah. friendly fashion. But if it's like, if you throw a punch at me, I don't care where you are. You're somebody who threw a punch at me. So if you are a 90-year-old man, I'll still punch you. If you are an 80-pound woman and you punch me, I will still punch you. If you are a two hundred pound man, I will punch you. It's like to me, it's like it, there's not even a different a difference. There is, you initiated. You are the one who struck me first. Fuck you. I've learned that a hard way. <laughs> <laughs> oh come on! You don't need to bring this up. No, it's okay. I, yeah. I got you good too. But let's talk about uh, this project that you guys guys have going on now. It sounds super exciting. Um, in your own words. So I was about to fill in, but what the hell? Why am I talking about it? You guys tell us, and then we'll play with it. Sure. So um, we started something called the Guardian Project, and what that is, it's a nonprofit uh, community gym for at-risk youth, um, for you know, for kids that really need something in their life outside of what they're getting in school, or not getting at school, or not getting at home. Um, you know, Guardian Gym is uh, the website guardiangym.org and Twitter Guardian Gym, and same thing on Instagram. And you know, we met and talked probably about 18 months ago where I shared with Ben a little bit about what boxing has done for me. Mm-hmm. About ten, when, I, when I became the CEO of that company, I had stress like I've never felt in my life. And the boxing changed my entire life. Mm-hmm. It changed my posture, changed my confidence. And just those benefits like stick with me today and I absolutely love it. And Ben was talking about jujitsu and um, the benefits that he received from it. Yep. And then he pitched a wild idea to me. So why don't you, why don't you tell us a little about that? Yeah, just, you know, I don't think the idea is unique of, you know, hey, it's really expensive to do martial arts, especially in the Bay Area. I think a lot of schools are 120 to $220 a month on average. And clearly this sport or these sports, boxing and jiu-jitsu, that have given so much to us and other people aren't affordable to everyone. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, it's just really crazy. All it is is really it's a mat and uh, there's a bunch of sweaty guys and girls out on a mat and uh you know why does it cost so much and why can't we figure out a way to give this gift that has helped us so much in our lives to other people and you know 
both Joel and I are by no means amazing martial artists. I mean, you and I have done jiu-jitsu at your house, Danielle Lee, and you know, you know how average I am at jiu-jitsu. Ben lies. His jiu-jitsu <laughs> is freakishly good. Well, all right, that's lie number two. But I mean, we we really aren't doing it, and we don't go to competitions, and you know, we're not trying to make the UFC or anything. But it's like all those ancillary benefits are so important. You know, we're better. Joel's a better parent. You know, I'm a better friend, a better son. You know, a better worker. There's just so many things that come from it. But I think more than anything else, it's really that sense of community. Um, and everyone is searching for a community. I think, especially mm-hmm. as our family sizes become smaller. You know, we don't have eight cousins and brothers and sisters that live on the same street anymore to hang out with and live for generations together. So we're looking for communities as we become more mobile. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these kids, especially in the rougher areas, they really don't have a positive community around. So when you don't have a positive community, you find a negative community. And that's really what it comes down to is let's help them find a positive community because they will find a community of some kind. I'm like we we were reading some stats like 11.3 million kids take care of themselves after school. Wow! And for me, growing up in Brooklyn, I I let myself in. My my father was a teacher. My mom worked, and you know I had to find time. And yeah. I could have easily slipped into some really bad shit. But instead, I became a musician and I started working with a band mm-hmm. and we would practice every day. And like I poured myself into that, and it, it saved me from what I saw a bunch of my friends doing, which was mm-hmm. just you know getting into trouble. And, you know, we think about it, ben, Ben's a big brother in the Big Brothers um, uh, uh, program, and this was another big influence for him when he told me about the story of his little brother, John. Do you want to talk a little bit about kind of some of the things that you learned there and you saw? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, first of all, my little brother's awesome. He's 11 years old, and um, he's just a typical kid, right? He has a lot of energy. He comes from a single-parent household, and, um, you know, he plays video games after school. He's not really in a lot of organized sports, but yet he still has that energy and that aggression and everything that he needs to get out. And one day we took him to a jiu-jitsu class for the first time, and... You know, I asked him on the way there, how do you think this is going to go? What's going to happen today? And he goes, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to Davy Jones them, whatever the hell that means. I'm going to, I'm going to break their legs and I'm going to do this. And I said, well, first of all, like that's not, not really the point of class to, you know, try to break everybody's legs. But second of all, it's your first class. You should probably just worry about surviving today. Right. And so he went with an eight or nine year old boy first as the first um, person. And it was really crazy to watch because what happened was he just got basically manhandled by this much smaller, younger uh, mm-hmm. child. And no, not that the guy was doing anything mean. He was actually going quite light yeah. on him. But, you know, he took his back and just kind of held him there. And my little brother couldn't really handle the stress of what happened, right? Like he couldn't handle the idea of losing because in his mind, he's a superhero. He plays video games. He, he murders he's people. He's a man of the house. He's a man of the house. Beats his brother up. His eyes like were you know, kind of rolling in the back of his head. He was angry. He was like saying that he hurt himself. And you know, it took him like a good you know, 15 minutes to just stop vibrating. Uh-huh. And then, you know, brought him over to his little brother. And his first thing was to try and beat the shit out of him. And yeah, he wanted to punch his little brother in the face. So, you know, you just, you see the kind of lack of reality that that a lot of these kids live in, especially when they're supposed to be tough and they come from tough neighborhoods. And I know, you know, it took me a long time in my life to get to boxing. And one of my biggest fears was what happens when I get into a fight? Like, I don't know what that's like. And knowing what it's like when someone throws a punch at you, that changes the way that you look at everything. I think there's, uh, actually, I've written that in uh, Not Afraid is the... After a long time, my realization about martial arts is that of anything I've ever learned about martial arts, learning how to take a beating is probably number one at the top of the list. Mm-hmm. Because, And I don't mean it in a purely in a physical sense, because, I mean, yeah, there's that too, and it does seem psychologically to you. But primarily, 
the idea that learning how to take a beating is about also learning how to deal when things don't go your way. Learning how to deal with when life eventually will kick your ass and there's no exception made because life will kick your ass probably multiple times throughout your life, definitely at some point. How do you deal with it? You know, how do you deal with that extremely uncomfortable moment that was driving him crazy where you're trying as hard as you can and you're getting dominated? And it doesn't really even matter how hard you try. If you're outclassed, you're getting squashed. Where So how do you carry on when you have no hope? You know what I mean? When the situation is hopeless, and I mean hopeless on the mat is not hopeless in a great scheme of things. It's hopeless in the sense you're not going to win this encounter. How do you carry yourself when you can't win, yeah. when things don't work so well? Because, I mean, we all like to win. Yeah. It's all like, I want to dominate. I want to get the perfect armbar. I want to uh, win by KO. I wanna... But the point is, doesn't even matter how good you get. You're going to run into somebody who's better than you. And pretty much, unless you are the one guy in the gym that day, every single person in the gym is going to have somebody who is better than them on that day and even that one guy who is the best one of all is going to lose probably yeah. the next day or something mm-hmm. so it's like how do you deal with that experience of yeah. uh, being able to go back to the gym being able to train again after you have been in a situation where it's clearly uncomfortable yeah. where it's exactly what you're describing where you're like what I don't get things going my way yeah. what the fuck this is awful I wanna where's this my little dad? I wanna beat exactly. him up because I'm frustrated you know it's like we, we saw that and you know, so we've been talking a little bit about this we saw that um, at the same time you know I definitely believe in signs and you know sometimes energy flows stuff your way and my sister works at an amazing nonprofit called Higher Heroes, and Brian Stan, mm-hmm. um, you know, UFC Brian Stan, happens to be the CEO of that company. And you know, I met him, and uh, he asked me to be on the board. And this was right when we were starting to think about this idea. And you know, we connected with him. He came and we talked more about it. He was completely excited about something like this. He had opened up at the gym in Atlanta, and he thought this was a, a, an amazing uh, effort. Also, wanted to join our board as he did, mm-hmm. and. Um, then we just kept on daring each other to, to do more. So, like, I'm a really big believer that a good idea is one that happens. Mm-hmm. And everyone has ideas. You, you yeah. talk to, you know, sure. you're here in L.A., you talk to someone, everyone's got tons of ideas they're doing. But can you actually make it something? And that's something that right. I think you, just like martial arts, when you do something, yep. it shows you can do anything. And mm-hmm. so when you, when you, you know, I started a business and it was successful. Ben started businesses. It now gives me the confidence that I can do anything. And it's, it's, maybe it's not rational, but maybe it's willing it to happen, right? Well, I mean, that's the reality of uh, not even just martial arts in general, but combat sports in yeah. specific. Because that's the problem sometimes with traditional martial arts that I love. There's a lot of great stuff in traditional mm-hmm. martial arts. But the lack of feedback when you don't spar, yeah. when you don't do something where the feedback is immediate yeah. and objective... <laughs> will lead to the fact that people will run with their ideas. I have this great idea of how, what I would do if you punch me, and yeah. I would do this and that. And I'm like, you're talking my ears off here, but how do you know? Yeah. How many times have you tried that where somebody's really trying to take your head off? Yeah. You know, and, and instead, the reality of the unmerciful feedback of combat sport, where you try something and you immediately find out if your idea pans out or not. Every I mean, time the, I pull deep half guard. Right. <laughs> the, the beauty of things like UFC was that everybody came in thinking that they had the method that would allow them to win. And clearly, reality shows that some ideas don't pan out. Yeah. We so, talked about that yesterday in our, our video shoot. We did, we just did a really cool video shoot yesterday for a trailer that we're, we're putting out for the gym. But Yesterday, by the way, will probably be four months ago <laughs> by the time we aired this. Yeah, that's true. Yes. The video will go, yeah. it'll, it'll be well out by then. But... Um, 
we talked about this the ring of truth right with boxing and we talked about basketball and I grew up my whole life playing and loving yeah. basketball and then once the organized time ended it kind of got to this point where everybody on the court the loudest guy was always the worst player mm-hmm. I lost today because of the foul this guy didn't pass me the ball it's just all bullshit you know yep. so much of it and jiu-jitsu and boxing is the exact opposite I mean you can be the poorest guy the richest guy the fattest guy the skinny I mean you can any color it doesn't matter you go out there and whoever wins wins yep. right and then there's just is there something special about that you can't hide behind you know having better clothes or having a better story <laughs> I've learned that really the hard way like I'm, I've just started jiu-jitsu and you know I'm about, I weigh about 250 pounds and I on a get good in, day on a good day <laughs> I get in there and you know, I, I, I purposely don't use my weight because I don't want to sure. I don't want to set yeah. people off the wrong way because I have been schooled by women, by <laughs> yeah. you know, young of course. Like it, it's it, it is the most humbling thing ever, and it just shows you it, it's it's something I think that we lost, and it's like you know when I think about my wife, one of the reasons why I fell in love with her is because she was in therapy and because she was working mm-hmm. on herself, and yep. she was an alcoholic who's now you know ten years sober, you know, and. and not many people work on themselves. Right. And the thing about martial arts is you're working on yourself. Mm-hmm. And that either happens through, you know, you're taking classes in school, which most people don't do outside of, you know, they're mandatory, or therapy, and that's a private thing. This yep. is like community working on each other. So what happens if you give it to kids? And that that's like, that's the most exciting thing. And we, I guess we should probably complete the thought, right, that martial arts is kind of half of what we're doing at the gym. Mm-hmm. The gym is really kind of a two-pronged approach, and that is bring folks in, give them the ability to train, let them get their energy out, let them have a productive sport, give them a common bond with other people, mm-hmm. both their own age and potentially mentors, mm-hmm. either for adults for kids and kids for adults. But then we have a whole um, second level at the gym, which is dedicated to learning. And this is you know mentors that come in and help kids with schoolwork. There's desks, there's computers. We also will bring in videographers and photographers and people that allow kids, musicians, to find yeah, their passions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to train them like in a whole new language. Yep. Learn. This is if ten years ago or twenty years ago we had to teach our kids to read and write and great essays. Well, now how to create a video that's compelling is mm-hmm. equally important to communicate, and that's that's what we want to give these kids that yeah. that type of training. And when you're in sixth grade or eighth grade or whatever, like go do your algebra homework after school. No thanks. But how about go train and then go learn how to make an awesome YouTube video? Well, right. I'm, I'm more interested in that, right? Yeah. And that's okay. that's going to be, I think, the backdoor way to get these kids to actually do, you know, stay in school and get better grades and do the things that everybody wants them to do and get them more prepared for the business world or get them prepared to start their own business someday, mm-hmm. go to college, whatever it may be. In Kentucky, they did a program where gym class was always for the guy that was good at dodgeball and the guy who could play basketball or baseball and everybody else sort of never got to participate in a good way and they introduced a six week programs of archery huh. so that meek little girl in the corner will come out and bullseye everybody out and it's been amazingly successful so mm-hmm. offering up these new and different things to kids and not doing things the same way I mean essentially high school's been the same for a hundred years yeah. and we desperately need to change it um, I'm a big fan of you know, Khan Academy are you familiar with that yeah. at all yeah. it's online where you do the lesson in a 15 minute increment yeah. You have to pass that lesson. So you have to pass fractions 1.1 before you get to go to fractions 1.2. So instead of getting left behind, if you have to do that section for a month to get it right, generally you will catch up with everybody else once you get over your stumbling block and you never get left behind. Mm-hmm. And so it's an amazing thing is that you do the lesson at home and then you go to school and do the homework. Hmm. Because then you have the people there to help you. And generally, they find that the kids are happier to help each other out and teach other people how to do stuff. And the teacher just sort of maintains it. So it really is an amazing moment. I think what you're offering up to people is amazing. And it's just fun to see how society is shifting towards 
these programs that are so important to people. I mean, uh, my wife and I, we spent seven years. We, we picked the, the funkiest YMCA in Nashville, uh, the inner city one, and there were 72 kids playing soccer there when we got started, and there were 700 when we were done. And those moments when you contact these kids, and I know what, you, you know, you know what I'm talking about, that no adult has paid them yeah. one second of attention in their entire week. Yeah. So those two hours they get to come out and hang with you are so important to them. And you can see the behavior in, in eight weeks and ten weeks, they straighten out. Oh, they, yeah. they, they, they know they don't have to act a fool anymore to get attention. And it's so important. And anyway, and I it, think it, what you got in mind is amazing. I, I, like, I used to teach um, at the Y after school, um, after school program. So I taught like music and drama and just basically work with kids who had like... Um, at home, it was not a good scene. There were different, you know, people picking them up every day. We just saw how they lashed out, how they acted out. And I got to tell you, one class. So we've been, you know, starting some classes. And again, I'm not a good, great boxer, but I've been taught a boxing class. And there was a kid in there that just wouldn't look me in the eye, would mumbled his name, and at the end was like high fiving and hugging and excited. And the feedback in just one class is yep. crazy. And you know, if you could do that for, you know, one kid, if you could do that for a community, what's the effect of that can you can you save lives can you change lives there's like, no question about it yeah i mean it's funny i mean when you think about it, best teacher you ever had I, there's two that instantly come to mind for me and beyond that but those two were so important mm-hmm. in making me interested wanting me to do science you know those sort of things it's amazing how effective it is and it's funny the best kids in my i remember my my junior high um, the kids that were the biggest athletes that went on i found out years later the only reason why they were so dedicated is because the teacher called them smoking pot and basically blackmail them into like having to be the volunteer kids, but but it worked and like it changed their life. And that one of them is actually doing really well. I won't, I won't say his name now. But the other part of it, this is fun as hell. This is like it's since we're both so passionate about the the whole mixed martial arts scene, the people that are getting involved, like Danelli, thank you so much for just supporting and being part of this. Of course. And you know, Brian's brought to us folks like yesterday. Ben mentioned we had a shoot. We had Kenny Florian there. Um, Andre Berto came out. Um, and it's it, it, we're not again it's nothing new but I think we tapped into something that mm-hmm. it's 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 not just trends but it's where the, our culture is going and it's what people are interested in and it's sexy and these kids will get to meet their idols and see that they're just like them and that's wild we also have like musicians professional skateboarders it's going to be a little bit more than just you know like it's not just about martial arts it's no. about integrating that into your life well how do I make money off of this yeah right. well you know we're going to we're going to well, we take for every dollar we get we put 50 cents back in our pocket <laughs> oh okay yeah, it's, it's, you know the IRS loves those types of nonprofits. that sounds so, normal yeah. okay <laughs> but it's actually so you know like the Tom's model of you pay for shoes and um, you buy a pair for someone yeah. else yeah. for us when an adult joins the gym because it's a world class facility I can't wait for you to come and see it and we're integrating technology into this really modern space it feels like you've never been anywhere like that in your life. And when you're a kid that walks in there and you see this, it's just yeah. beautiful. But for an adult, their class, you know, their membership pays for a kid's membership. You know, their gi pays for a kid's gi. We're apparel that we're planning, like really cool stuff that will pay for kids. And it'll be, it'll just be a pretty interesting kind of ongoing um, cycle that will start in Oakland and move to the rest of the country. This one's in Oakland right now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's the, that the goal is to do this all over the country and the world. And part of the idea is, you know, there's no more expensive place to live anymore than the Bay Area. So if we yeah. can make this work in the Bay Area, there's no reason we can't make this work in rural Alabama. We right. can't make this work in Colombia or Venezuela or China or anywhere else in the world. So 
this is really, you know, I think one of the reasons we want to get a lot of folks support and get a lot of people on board and understanding what Guardian is because it's so important that we want to, we have big plans to kind of make this available in more places, but we really have to make sure Oakland's successful first. It's a great moment, though, because with all the retail space that's available in your cities right now, I mean, you're going to have... One on every other street. And also, there, think how many, like the black belts, right? I mean, 20 years ago when jiu jitsu, let's say, was first starting in the U.S., it was a small group of folks, and you had to find those people out and train. There was no YouTube. Everybody protected their moves. You weren't allowed to go train at other schools. That model like still exists a little bit in certain schools, and it's but it's really quickly going away. There's more no gi. Everything's on YouTube. You know, some people are self trained. You know, becoming amazing black belts and winning tournaments now. So. I think that really opens itself up where there's so many more teachers and now you have a kind of a glut of, of folks who want to teach and they want to open a gym, but they just don't have the resources to do it. So if we can facilitate that through the things that we're good at with marketing and fundraising and, and obviously you know putting the pilot program in place in Oakland, we think we can help it spread much faster around the world. Do you have a date for the grand opening? It's going to be well before this podcast airs, but yeah, yeah this is December 1st. Oh, that is seriously way before mm-hmm. our podcast airs. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is going to be probably, I don't know, 2018. It's been wildly successful. Yeah, we'll it's have amazing. an update. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. This is when the dream is just a dream still, you <laughs> yeah. know? Yeah. 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 yeah it's, it's, def- it's, just, it's fun, too, man. I just love like being part of something like this and creating this. And it just taps into a whole other like, part of our brain that... that uh, you know, loved what I do at work, but this is like just another creative outlet. That's now that I have daughters, I'm like, I can, I teach my daughter ah, boxing. Another one. Oh my god! I, yeah, two daughters, and like to watch uh, my daughter Fiona box and just play around, yep. and like it's amazing. I can't wait for them to have to work here. Make sure they're exposed to kids sure. that aren't like them, and. Uh, well, there's an immediate feedback, right? Like when, when we plan campaigns at Twitter and we're doing stuff and we're working with clients, I mean, he may be working for years on planning something with a big client for a never been done before activation. And, you know, and as soon as that one's done, it's the next thing. There's never like a stop. Thank you. Like sure. I see it. Whereas in gym, you can go in there, you could train somebody one day and train with them that day. And you can see the smile it's on their face. You can see yeah. them say, thank you. You can go to dinner with them afterwards. It's like, it's like completing a mini project yeah. every day. And there's something fulfilling about that in a world of computers that we don't get every day anymore. I think that has kept me somewhat sane at some point mm. because you need both. You know, when you're doing some projects that are not going to pan out in the short term, you need to feel they are doing something because otherwise, you know, the million time where you see somebody a year later and they're like, so what you're doing these days? And I'm like, you tell them the same story that you told them the previous year because it's a long-term thing. <laughs> yeah. Like shit, when I started, before starting History on Fire, it got to the place where if I thought about it one more day, I was going to kill somebody, <laughs> probably me. Because How long was it to ramp up to that? It was two years of preparations before episode one. Wow. Because the reality was that each episode is about 200 hours worth of research so I cannot do 200 hours worth of research every six weeks <laughs> starting from scratch yeah. so what I did is I did uh, you know maybe eight nine episodes got them ready before I release episode mm-hmm. one so then I can work on episode 10 while episode mm-hmm. one is out and you know I buy my, eventually will catch up but mm-hmm. I buy myself a little time but you know that process of a two-year process mm-hmm. in which you're like you know, I have this idea that I'm working on, and it's kind of like, it sounds like, yeah, great. How many times do I have to hear that same idea? It's Probably like, us. you know, <laughs> it, it, just, it gets old real quick. But not just other people, because who cares what somebody else thinks, is for yourself. Mm-hmm. When for the million time you're telling yourself, I'm working on it, there's a level where you need some immediate satisfaction, where you work on something and you see the result and you go home and it's done, you know? 
And so that, it's another one of the level. The same way as the instant feedback yeah. is good on uh, keeping you honest with yourself, figuring out what works and what doesn't. Also the instant feedback of, I did what I had to do today. It felt great. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. It's its own story. It's not one step in a series of 7,000 steps mm-hmm. leading somewhere. It's its own story that began and then there, and it felt good. I think that's like what you were talking about in the beginning, and thank you for those amazing words. Like, a kind of, you know, we're young and, and we have a lot of different things going on. Mm-hmm. Like, so do you, and so do you. Like, I think the, the most interesting people I talk to every day now have an integrated life. They've got, mm-hmm. you know, multiple projects going on, and some satisfy one part of the world and some satisfy the other. And I think trying to integrate them together, again, everything we do, whether it's, you know, yep. his companies or our companies or the board or Twitter, it's, it all works together. And that's something that we want to teach these kids too. Like, mm-hmm. school is one thing. What do they teach you in school? Memorization, sit still, you know, diagnose you with ADD, give yeah. you drugs. But <laughs> I mean, that sounds like a pretty actually fun day. Maybe. We do that. <laughs> no, but but how? Not the good kind. Not drugs. the good kind of drugs. Yeah, you're right. But you know, in school, um, and maybe it was different in Italy. But did they? Ever no, talk it sucked. To you? Yeah, horribly, did painfully. Imagine being talked to about like, okay, you've got this mind and this body and the spirit, and like they have to work together, right. and. You know, here's what it means to be a good person, yeah. and you know what? You know, do you know that if you're more connected to your body, you actually can think better and more yeah. clearly? And you know, yoga, meditation, mindful—all the things that adults are doing now—and it's trendy. And you yeah. know, apps like Mindspace and Headspace, sorry, and all of that stuff. Why not? Yeah, you know, it's gonna—it's gonna flip the bit, and kids are gonna have to learn about this at some point. And this could be, you know, one way that gets them into it that just shows what happens when you integrate your life at a young age. I think you're treading on a dangerous path. This, all this sounds very much do unto othery and, and, mm. and, and volunteering and, and helping make a better society. It'll never work. Yeah, it'll <laughs> never work. You're right. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny. Like, even talking about it like this, like, at some point, I'm like, oh, this sounds like we're, like, an after-school special. Um, and, like, as people, we're not, like, we have all sorts of angles and everyone's got their different sides. And this scratch is, like, the I want to do well side. You know, mm-hmm. And then there's the debaucherous side that you scratch. Why not? At another point in time. Of but, course. You know, we've got we've got a huge shift coming in our society. You know, as as the machines take over and the labor continues to get smaller and smaller, you know, people aren't going to be able to work forty <laughs> yeah. and fifty and sixty hours. Well, you work just for the robots. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's the important part. But the, I mean, can you imagine if a day a week was scheduled just for just for volunteering and helping out? What yeah. an amazing society would have if you know, pick your day, but. The, the amount of people you have in schools, the amount of people you have in daycare centers, the amount of people you have everywhere. If we would focus on what's important, that's the people and not the bottom line that Gordon Gecko loves so much. <laughs> so, that's my anti corporate But, but I, think that's where, uh, I think that's where you guys have uh, something weird going on because you have these ideas that are, and not just ideas, practices too, mm-hmm. that are sound very, oh, cool, sweet, mm-hmm. uh, save the world, nice. But you also make shit happen. You run, you know, you have this thing where on terms of the kind of success that it's recognized at mm-hmm. a very basic level in mm-hmm. the world, that your, uh, you know, Republican grandma from Nebraska could acknowledge, <laughs> yes. you guys do that. Yeah. So it's not that you say, oh, it's this happy peace story that's purely very idealistic and sweet, but you can't fucking pay rent. Mm-hmm. It's something that combines a level of idealism with a level of pragmatism, mm-hmm. 
which to me is ultimately, that's another thing that to me, the more sensitive you are, the more idealistic you are, the more in your head you are, the more you need something like martial arts to ground you, to give you that other side, that ability to get shit done, that ability to be pragmatic, that ability. And that combination is magic because, you know, if it was, otherwise we're stuck with the stereotypes, right? We're stuck with the, it's a sweet idea that will never pay off. It will never yeah, work. We're, we're panhandling in the street corner. Exactly. Please help us. No, we're making it happen. Exactly. And, yeah. and that right there is changes the dynamics completely because yeah. it's. Uh, I mean, I have a theory that no one really does anything for like the nice reasons. Like, I mean, everything we do in a way is selfish. Like every decision we make, and like this decision for us to start the gym in a way is selfish, right? Like we wanted to give back to make ourselves feel better. We both love martial arts, so it's kind of easy. And we've kind of figured out a way that, like, it benefits us because it's all stuff we like and makes us feel good. It just happens to benefit a lot of other people. So, I mean... Well, but in that sense, I don't necessarily know that there is such a thing as a completely unselfish mm. action. To right. me, there's a difference between selfish asshole and enlightened selfishness. You know, enlightened selfishness is the one that will allow you to do something nice for somebody else and you get pleasure out of it. Uh, and I think that's why, Mike, to Richie's point, more people would volunteer and more people would do stuff if they could align what they're doing with something. And, you know, doing the Big Brothers program, I kind of learned this. And it's like, hey, little brother, what do you want to do this weekend? We haven't seen each other in a couple weeks. I want to go rollerblading in uh, Hayward, you know, and you're like, oh, God, like that's uh, five hours of my Sunday gone. And that's my one day off. And it's like, it's, you know, maybe we'll get together once a month instead of once every two weeks. Yeah. But that's kind of what we want to do with the gym is like we're cheating. We want to bring everybody together in a place that we know is really successful, right, where it benefits us, where it makes us feel good. And we know is going to make them feel good mm-hmm. whether they know it or not yet. So we're sort of trying to change the system a little bit because it can be a win-win. Volunteering doesn't have yep. to be a, you know, you give up something and don't enjoy it to help somebody else. Let's make it a win-win. What kind of nightmarish insurance do you have to have for an operation like this? Because I'm sure, as with most things, yeah. if you want to fuck something up, mm-hmm. it's the guy needing to have, yo, you can't have kids in there fighting. You might snap somebody's neck. Mm-hmm. Da, 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 da. That's got to be an issue. Yeah. Yeah. We're just winging it. Just yeah. <laughs> go ahead. Come, come, sue, come sue our little nonprofit. <laughs> <laughs> now, it, you know, it's funny. It's been so hard all along the way to just get nonprofit status. Like, oh, yeah. you know, I've opened up uh, several corporations, started businesses. It was. Most difficult to get nonprofit status. It yeah. took the most time, you know, the most. How revisions. long did it take you? It took us uh, about a year. Should have just okay. opened the church. That's like less than half of how long it took me. Yeah. We have an amazing, yeah. we have an amazing we have lawyer. Years, we should so say yeah, yeah, we have an amazing lawyer. Robert, Robert. Fletcher yeah. has been yeah. amazing. Oh He's God. a guy who understands martial arts. He's in San Francisco, and he, you know, took our convoluted process and streamlined it. And we are extremely He's the adult thankful. In our yeah. relationship. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, yeah. yeah. He's he really like we're like out there, and he's like, no, you're not going to find a space yeah. until then. Of course. And, and like we we're constantly saying, no, we can make this happen faster. And he's like. Faster is one thing, but like right is another, yep. and he's been amazing. So yeah, insurance, business license, you know, nonprofit status, finding a location, getting that bond, getting that all up and running. Luckily, there's some like muscle memory in doing all that, but it's like anything else. You'd be surprised how hard it is to do to do good. You know, oh, yeah. like people just so yours took two years to to, to get that. Yeah. Probably a little over two years oh or something. God. It's pretty funny. <laughs> you know, just... you know what also helps too that I think a lot of people don't get is you have to have a partner. Uh-huh. In my opinion, like no. this, if if Joel and I didn't find each other, my little crazy idea would just be a little crazy idea oh, that totally. I would come to your house and we would yeah. talk about what we footlock each other and yeah. you know we'd say we should do this, you know, and it would never happen. But Joel I'm taking sorry, did you ever footlock me? <laughs> I don't remember that part. <laughs> footlock each other, <laughs> but you know when I tap, I don't really mean tap. I see. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so 
when if it wasn't for Joel kind of taking that first step, I think, and kind of going back to that muscle memory, like he said, like I think we, to be honest, we really owe this to him, kind of putting the ball in there and making mm-hmm. it making it start to go down the hill. Because once we took that first step, then it all came in to action, and yep. you can't really stop once you start. Because I can't quit because I'm letting him down. He can't really quit. He's made promises to me, and yeah. no, I agree. It works better. I, yeah. I think it works better because you guys are both people who can make shit happen. Yeah. It clearly, when you join forces with somebody who's sweet and nice but does not make shit happen, it actually takes your motivation away. Mm-hmm. So it's has the opposite effect. It really, I think, is you're absolutely right that you. A good partner increases the quality of what you do and motivation. Yeah. A bad one takes the wind out of oh, your yeah. sail and you're screwed. I noticed with... Um, I've always tended to do... like I did this one thing that I would have never in a million years done, which I'm so, so protective of my writing. You know, to me, is uh, I don't really edit a whole lot. Like, I take forever to write, but once it's written, it's mm-hmm. pretty close to the final version. I'm not going to change that much. So to me, even just if somebody say, oh, you should change that line, I'm just going to shoot them. You know, it's just like, <laughs> no, that's just what you're telling. You want to change my writing? You know? <laughs> so there was this thing where I started working with my friend uh, Pete McCormick, uh, who directed I Am Bruce Lee. Uh, he has a series um, on for HBO Canada. That's awesome. He's done some great things. And we started working on a screenplay together. And it was, you know, when I thought about it, I'm like, work on a screenplay with somebody you mean they're gonna change some of my lines uh, that's okay that was a good friend i had at some point i'm sure but that's gonna <laughs> miserably fail when and it was actually awesome because yeah. we motivated each other when he did make changes they are usually changes that made perfect sense mm-hmm. and maybe i didn't fully accept them because maybe i had a point but i was like yeah, but this is what I'm trying to do. And it's like, no, that's great. I like that. But then this is how we can do it easier. But, oh, shit, I didn't see that coming that way. Mm-hmm. And we would feed off each other that way where it was like, wow, look at that. I did not see that coming at all. Yeah, it's something that's something that's hard to learn and hard to get used to, especially if you're someone that, you know, does, you, you write really well and you've got great ideas. I remember as a songwriter, I, I, I could only write like, two-thirds of a song right but my favorite thing in the world yeah. is getting together with a buddy or getting together with a band and then then it's a song yeah, and like uh, there's uh, actual uh, magic that happens and in the agency world one of the things that i learned early on was like just uh, say you're going to do something pitch the idea and then figure it out figure out how to do it yeah and that's that's what we did here too like first step is okay here's the name right <laughs> here's the logo yeah oh, that's feeling real Here's a you know here we just filed okay yeah. everybody's California. fake everybody's faking it like that's what we've learned yeah, working yeah. in Silicon Valley and, oh. and meeting like we know all like not all but obviously we know a ton of like the most successful people that people look up to and idolize most of them are just all fucking faking it like or, they or, just yeah sorry no they're just you know what I mean they're just like everybody else and people think like there's this magic gift like to be a CEO of a tech company or to you know be a VP like Joel that you have to have and if you talk to him about his agency life it's like how did you get Verizon how did you get Coca-Cola how did you get these people to your clients you just told them that you could do it better than other people and figured it out later right well we sell the intangible I, I, to, to, to get back to your point about faking it I, imposter syndrome it's something that I have it's something that everyone I've ever spoken to who I respected in the world give them a few glasses of wine and everyone will say, you know, the most, literally the most intelligent people in the world, the most successful, they'll say, I have no idea what I'm I'm doing. Like, I'm just waiting to be figured out also. Right. Yeah. But it's confidence. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's the same type type of confidence we're talking about. Once you prove that you can do it once, then you can do it again. You can do it again. And that's, that's really, 
yeah, I love that part of it. It's just daring each other to keep on going, and that's hopefully what we'll keep doing. And that's right there, also one of those where martial arts comes in, because you can doubt yourself when it's all about talk and ideas, mm-hmm. or, I mean, even things that are concrete, like for me growing up, like writing. I could tell myself, oh, man, I'm a really good writer, but it's objective. There's no full objective status. Somebody else can come along and say, oh, that's a piece of crap that doesn't work. The beauty of martial art is that we went for it, and I choked you out, or I got choked mm-hmm. out. There's a very obje- There's no argument there. There's yeah. no uh, maybe, but you did something, which is the opposite of again of the traditional martial art game, where sometimes it's like somebody's executing a beautiful technique, but you're executing on a cooperative partner. And some guys are gonna train that way and be awesome in reality. Some guys are gonna train that way and not be able to ever pull it yeah. off in reality. Mm-hmm. And so there's that subjective that's, that's element a good of, right there for many people. Right. Yeah. And and the beauty of combat sports is that you cannot lie. Yeah. You cannot lie to others, you cannot lie to yourself. What you put in is what you get out and you find out. And by the same token, though, the confidence you gain is real because you can look back when you're in doubt about shit, maybe I'm not as good as I think, maybe this and that, and you look down at the list of names, so, oh, I got that guy with that thing, oh, I won that time with that thing, and then those accomplishments, nobody can take them away from you. First and foremost, you can take them away mm-hmm. from yourself, because, mm-hmm. you know, when we have our own inner doubt all the time, just bringing us down, that little voice telling it, you think you're hot shit, mm-hmm. you really aren't. Well, maybe you really aren't and you found that out mm-hmm. by losing time and time and time again, but you also, the part where you are good, you know exactly where you stand. You know you know your limitations. You know that you're not better than certain levels, but you also know that you are better than what your inner tyrant is telling you sometimes, mm-hmm. where you, you have a, there's no argument there. Look, there's a track record there. You have done it time and time and time again. You have it. That's where it's at. And the other thing is getting feedback from someone and learning to listen to it. Like, yeah. That's something in business that, you know, I think you have to learn. Like, yep. like in writing and editing, you know, if, if you've someone, the problem with writing is everyone can, thinks they can write because they can conversationally exactly. write. My, yeah. my wife's a copywriter and that's what she hated about the business. Right. Like, oh, I know English. No one's going to tell a designer, like, I'm going to go in there and change yeah, it for exactly. you. you know? Yeah. But with, um, <laughs> with, uh, feedback, like, yeah, you know, I played uh, football uh, mm-hmm. in high school, and like, you know, you just learn. You yep. learn from the coach, and, and you don't talk back, and you listen, and you learn to respect it. And, you know, I didn't have that until I was 30 again with boxing. Like, feedback that, you know, you could tell you, but then when you don't have your hands up and you get punched in the face, like, you'll remember to put your hands yep. up next time. Yep. So, yeah, that's another thing for, for kids that is a benefit that we see over and over again is getting them to learn to listen to an authority figure because it actually helps them improve. Everything's theory until you get in the mat. Yep. And, and you know, you, especially some of these kids that have lived a much tougher life than you can imagine and have stuff going on at home that you would never even, you know, never hope to know. Like, the minute they understand that you can actually do something, get better, that's when they'll listen to you about, you know, the next thing that actually could benefit their life. Oh, man, it makes such a difference. I remember teaching uh, college classes and then, like, right after teaching a martial art class. And, you know, in a college class, you don't really need to listen because there's not that immediate feedback. Mm-hmm. In a martial art class, if you don't move the way you have just been shown now, you're going to get punched in the face because a punch will be coming for your face. And unless you move out of the way, there will be an immediate unforgiving feedback. So it's amazing the level of attention that people will give you when it's so 
immediate mm-hmm. the feedback of whether it's going to pan out or not, how different that is. It also reminds you you're an animal. Yeah. <laughs> so like, That's... The thing I love about boxing and you know, in general is you, you, you realize, oh, I'm an animal. I need to move certain ways. Like, yeah. you know, when, when the first time I did jiu-jitsu, I was sore in places that I couldn't imagine. Of course. But I've never used that before. But that's how we should use it, you know, speaking mm-hmm. of how man is actually supposed to be designed. So I love that part of it, too. What you eat, how you, how you, how you treat yourself. It makes you remember that, that, you're, that you're not just like this kind of you know, avatar of a human. But I love the stuff you said about listening and learning. Because I think that's so not... Um, natural in a way I mean the example you told us earlier about you know the kid went in got his ass kicked freaked out because things didn't go his way most kids most adults if they never pick it up along the way are going to have a hard time listening because you want to be good at stuff right away you don't want to be part and so when things when you're not good at something already and the reality is 99% of things you're not going to just be good by magic just by random talent People don't really want to be faced with the realization that they are not that good. But the, once you accept it, then it's easy because, like, it doesn't matter if you're not that good. Here is how you get good. It's easy. Just fucking listen. Yeah. And that way you have to go over it only once and not 52,000 times. And it's weird because there's that initial, I don't want to deal with it. It's making me feel bad. It's uh, hurting my self-esteem. The problem is that self-esteem is based on bullshit. It's based on some random ideas of yourself you created in a fantasy world. So is the choice to go hide in the fantasy world so you don't have to deal with it, and eventually you will have to deal with it anyway throughout life? Or is it to take an honest look, say, yeah, I don't know shit about this, and there's something even liberating about acknowledging I don't know shit about this. So Please teach me. Step one. How do I go to step two? It keeps you. It, it keeps it simple in a way. It's like there's. I remember as a kid for the longest time, I stayed away from martial arts, even though I love martial arts. Why? Because I was scared that I wouldn't be good. And of course, you're not gonna be good. You've never done it. How the hell are you gonna be good? You know, of course, you're gonna suck. That's. But the point is, you don't need to be. It's normal. It's what everyone goes through. So accept the fact that you're at ground zero and learn how to go to step one and step two and so on. And, it's, you know, they talk about it all the time, kind of that idea of beginner's mind, mm-hmm. is that any time, I mean, even, like, let's keep using the martial art example for simplicity's sake, but we can use a million others. Any time, you can have been in martial arts for 20 years, and you are still going to have to go in thinking you don't know shit, because otherwise you're not going to learn anything new, ever. And, you know, maybe one guy has only one little thing they can show you. Your game is better in other ways, but you're never going to improve unless you get rid of the whole uh, ego, ultimately, which what where it's at, that that's tells biggest, you. That's, like, the biggest thing, I feel yeah. like. You know, we talk about this all the time, that <clears throat> people who, you know, I think Rogan says it, right? Like, the world would be a better place if everyone did jiu-jitsu. Uh-huh. That's his statement, and I think the reason that he says that is because you know, it just makes you better in so many areas yeah. of your life. And one of the big ones is that you let go of your ego. You know, you don't want to go out on the street and fight people for the most part. You know, but I'd say less than 1% of the people that I've ever trained with ever get in trouble or scuffle off the mat, you know. And it's because you get your ass kicked by 130-pound girls, you know, and kids and different – I mean, you don't – you know you're not a tough guy after you go in there and train with good people. So everyone kind of is forced to let go of their ego. And I think that's one of the, the greatest things about, about martial arts, especially jiu-jitsu and boxing. You know, we're fighting also the stereotypes. So we're already hearing in yeah, you know, on Twitter, in person, where you're already seeing like, 
oh great teach kids that are violent to fight you know um, like that that'd be great that's right. an awesome solution go for it but you know we we know it's the opposite and yeah. every fighter we ever talk to um, will tell you that and they're also not as gentle souls we ever meet people with the yep. biggest hearts and it's because they look themselves in the mirror honestly every day but we're going to be up against that um, you know all along the way one of the one of the ways that we're going to fight that is a really uh, application process and intake where we, we really do understand the situation and track it over time and then track them beyond high school yep. and college and really just fight the facts, you know, fight it with the facts. But I is- think, honestly, it's, it's not going to be as hard as it may look like now yeah. because I don't think is I mean, yeah, superficially you're going to yeah. get that kind of response, but I think there's also a track record of the whole idea of uh, self-discipline through martial arts of, you know, is almost like a popular image yeah. from the Karate Kid movies and so the on. Movies. So I don't know that he's going to be that hard of a sale. Yeah. You know, I think it's I so. uh, there's enough at uh, it's not like this crazy idea that we can understand, but somebody else who has not been exposed to it has no idea what we're talking about. I think there's enough of it out there mm-hmm. of understanding that martial arts as a way, as a path, mm-hmm. it's more than just learning how to punch somebody. Yeah. There's not a lot of patience with kids these days. I don't know if you've best with many millennials, but they want it all, and they want it now, and they don't want to fucking wait, and they definitely do not want to practice. That's tough to blame. I want to be great right now. For that. Right. I don't want to do any of that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> ben, ben, Ben's an aspiring millennial. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. He really wants to be a millennial. I'm, like right on the cusp. I'm right on the cusp, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. Not, you know, I guess I'm Gen X, you're a millennial. Um, but, you know, I think we've learned a lot, Junior too, from... <laughs> from all the time like I've I've been doing jiu-jitsu 10 years and I started at the Yamasaki Academy in DC and I've trained in Hawaii and I've trained at Marcelo Garcia's a few times in New York and Seattle and different schools in San Francisco and LA and like I've gotten to see a lot of schools and kind of what works and what doesn't work sure. in my mind and I feel like you know one of the things that schools don't do very well is they don't really welcome new students that awesomely. Sure. Some certainly better than others. <laughs> but there's, guys, there's a weird feeling because you go in there and you just don't, like, don't know if you are going to get the shit kicked out of you in your first class. And most sure. people, that fear is not worth stepping through the door. And I think we can really make that part a lot better. We can have a much better intake process. We can be much clearer with students of how we treat new students and not to have that weird old boxing and jiu-jitsu mentality of like come in and take your lumps yeah. and get your ass kicked. We don't need no to do that. No ass kicking till lesson three. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like let's at least become friends and then kick each other's ass. But like, What was the boxing like? So it was interesting because like it was very intimidating because you know, I can bet. Growing up some... rocky and everything yeah. and all those images, boxing was this other thing that other people did. So, you know, I stepped in, and it was just a really welcoming environment. It was this uh, Gym X3 in Atlanta, and this guy Alfonso, who was my teacher, I wound up taking private lessons from him. Um, but, you know, the first day after I learned to throw a jab and hook, we, we sparred a little bit. And it was, you know, instant feedback for me. And I, I realized right away that it was actually more strategy than I thought, and... Yeah, you know, I realized that I had some type of modicum of talent at it, but more importantly, I felt ridiculous when it was over. I felt invincible. I felt, you know, my heart, everything. I just, I hadn't realized. I hate working out. I hate, you know, I'm not a runner. If you haven't noticed, <laughs> I'm not a. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I need, I need something that pushes me, and that was it for me. And then the other part of it that's, you know, the the, the image is like, okay, I'm a boxer. That's I know how to rap. Wrapping wrists is one of the coolest feelings in the world. And, like, you know, when you get that and your wrists are wrapped up and you look at them, you, all of a sudden you are every movie you've ever seen. And that's the cool thing about Oakland, too, is there's such a heritage of boxing there. And, you know, with some of the kids that we're talking to, like, their uncles, their fathers, their grandparents, like, 
that's what they did. So there's a little bit of nostalgia there. And that mix of boxing and like really classic American boxing with jujitsu is something that, you know, we've gone back and forth of should it be a Muay Thai boxing, kickboxing, but we really want to kind of keep the respect, the, the nuances of both of those practices and sure. integrate them. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. That sounds great. So why don't you just build a new stadium for the Raiders while you're at it <laughs> and fix two problems at yeah, the same I'm, time? Yeah, Let's go. I think the, the, the jiu-jitsu, by the finish that thought, is actually a little scarier from all the – because I've done you know both at a lot of schools now. And I think there's a, a – Really? Other, why? Well, other than the fairly light sparring you could potentially do, I think there's sort of this unspoken rule with boxing that most of the time you go in and you hit pads for a while mm. or it's okay to be like, hey, like I'm not ready to spar yet, whereas – Jiu-jitsu, you almost always get thrown in on the mat and start sure. sparring right away. They, they put you aside for 20 minutes and they say, hey, here's an Americana, here's a Kimura. Go, all right, go, good luck. And there's always some fucking dickhead blue belt or purple belt who just can't wait to rip your shoulder out because he can't beat up anybody else in the class. And so the jiu-jitsu, there's just not as, it's not as clear of a line, right? Like, and there's not a beginning. So like in boxing, everyone learns to throw a yeah. jab, but then you learn to throw a straight, and then yeah. you learn to throw a hook and integrate uppercuts. And all, you had to move, had to bob your head, and you, you build on it. And there, you know, there are drills and you do all that. Yeah, the first time I went, to, I felt like with jujitsu, the first time I went in there, I'm like, I didn't, how we start? Why am I on top? Yeah, of, what do yeah, I do? Yeah, so, yeah. Boom! Yeah, yeah. The building blocks. Are, yeah, it's not really it's not as easy. Building blocks. Yeah, that's totally. for sure. Yeah, and, yeah. and yeah, you're. What do I? What do I do? Yeah, like, do I don't I do? know. Like, do this for six months and you'll figure it out, right? Like, yeah. it's very confusing yeah. at first with jujitsu of what to what to do first. Yeah, there's something very Brazilian about that. We just total <laughs> fuck up of uh, an organization, Brazil. and yes. I mean it with all the respect in yeah, the world. But Brazil. the point is, there's not exactly that Japanese hi. Uh, yeah. You know, structure. <laughs> yes, you yeah. start with these, then these, then, you know, where there's a clear syllabus. Yeah, there's something about fluid. martial arts syllabi that I love, where there's a clear organization of what you're going to learn when, and by the time you have gotten through this stuff, you should also know this. I do that a lot for myself mm-hmm. with, like, my jujitsu notes or any other martial art, right? I like to break it down with... Ground zero. What's the first thing I should learn? You know, I'm on the ground. I hit the ground. Okay, let's work on guard. Guard, I should learn one sweep, one submission, one whatever the hell. Uh, Okay, next. You know, building it that way. Because otherwise, the way you are taught often in a lot of academies where you just get thrown in and they saw the same technique for everybody who's there from the black belt to the white belt. There's no sequence. There's no. It is uh, stick around long enough, and if you survive, you <laughs> yeah, learn yeah. maybe, perhaps. Yeah. But there's no methodology, you know. And, and we and we can change. We don't have to just do anything. We're yeah. both big believers in like let's not just do things because yeah. it's been done that way, right? Like you and I were talking the other day about belt whipping. Yeah, that's the <laughs> you know my school at Half Gracie. <laughs> they like to you know whip people when you get promoted, and I just flat out have said for the last four years since I trained there, like. I love you guys and we're very good friends now like m- many of us but I, I just I'm not going to let you smack me in the back until my belt until my back bleeds with a belt right like I mean that's just insane and people I say why do we have to do that and they go well that's the way we've always done it well no no, thank you like that's, yeah, that's not a good uh, enough answer at this point somebody copied me on a Facebook status which I believe Jeff Glover had mm-hmm. about belt whipping and Jeff Glover was a big defender of mm-hmm. the whole thing and it was weird to see the people's comments because the typical comment was, uh, you know, anybody, the only people who are against it are those uh, wimps who never went through it. You know, if you're a real man, what's the big deal? What's the, you know, it's like, and my thing was like, dude, I have no problem training hard, going hard. You know, if you still have issues about demonstrating how tough you are after you have been training for so long, 
there's something wrong with your training because that should have been proven time and time again. Your toughness, you prove it every day on the mat. Your toughness is not proven by like going through this weird S&M, you know, wannabe fraternity gone wrong uh, type of ritual. That's like, in fact, somebody was asking me, what do you think? And I was like, no, I think it's a great ritual if you are an overgrown fraternity boy with S&M issues. I think it's great. It's just what you want to do. But I've seen people get whipped in the eye. I've seen people get hit in the in the balls, you know, right. and like it's only a matter of time till one person loses an eye or gets MRSA or staff or something from their back opening up or they lose a testicle because they got yeah. whipped too hard. And yeah, it's going to be like the one in the million. But like, do you want to take the chance that you're the one in the million or that you right. do it to somebody else? Like that school is going to get shut down. A school, not any yeah. specific one because a lot of them do it but you know a school is going to get sued when that happens right and it just seems like such a crazy practice to continue when and, there's so many other alternatives and even even assuming that it was totally safe that nothing bad ever happened just philosophically i find it bullshit yeah. you know it's like again it, it reminds me too much of like some uh culture weird to go out and kill to come back yeah some weird fraternity hazing yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. thing which is like Wait, I demonstrate what by letting you do all sort of shit to me? It's like, other than I'm a fucking drone who's going <laughs> to listen to authority and obey despite the fact... Fuck you, I prove my worth every day on the mm-hmm. mat. I prove my worth. That's how, you know, it's... So that stuff, yeah, drives me insane. It's just amazing to me that no one will say no. You yeah. know, like, it's... Like, there's, you know, I've trained with some... Like, there's actually a guy who's a billionaire in my class, right? Like, there's guys who are lawyers and doctors and accountants. I mean, these are smart people, like a lot of them, but yet yeah. they, they do it just because there's, like, this peer pressure just, like, going yeah. through the fraternity hazing, and you're just like, man, like, I'm just shocked at this point. Yeah. So I, I think agree. that's another way that we're going to be very different. So we talked about, like, integrating technology into the school. So, you know, the kids, they're going to be the Gs. You know, Guardian, one of our logos is just a big G, and it looks great on hats and things that, you know, kids will want to wear it. Um, but you're gonna you're gonna win G's like you're gonna win credits and you know we're building an app that essentially will record things like did you help clean up did you help a kid with homework did you volunteer on the weekend did you work with Parks and Rec to plant things in the garden there and all those are rewards and it'd be, it's more of like a digital like kids mm-hmm. have avatars where they're adding things to them almost like the Boy Stripe the Boy Scouts when you get sure. badges they're gonna get certain you know, digital badges for what they're doing. And it'll be a way to keep score that doesn't involve, like, beating them to say you have to get to the next level. Yeah. You know, and it'll reward more than just on the mats. It'll reward, like, in life. One of my uh, early jiu-jitsu teachers, uh, Tim Cartmel, somebody asked him, he's like, hey, Tim, how do you do stuff? And he was like, a belt promotion. Do you guys do whippings? And he's like, usually I just take my student who was promoted to the next belt out for dinner. (laughs) And I was like, that seems a lot more civilized. He's like, yeah, what the hell? Well, talking about the G's is a great idea. Are you familiar with Jane McGonagall at all? She's a game theory. Game theory, yeah. And and for the the users of these days, uh, the youth of today, they like to level up. Yeah. And they love to uh, get rewarded for stuff that gets done. I think that's a great concept. And get them off the video games for real and put them into, you know, the game of life. It's a reward system. Um, yeah, I like video games also, so I'm a little bit, you know. Nothing against those. <laughs> yeah. But it's, but it's more just getting them, you know, in the, yeah, the, the Jane would have, kind of call the, the gaming system in life. And that's really what we want to give them, just, you know, rewards. Yeah. Yeah, because it's not either or. Yeah. Like, sure, go home and hug your PlayStation. But then when you go and work out and it also that feels good and it translates to the real world in, in a physical dimension, mm-hmm. that's great, you yeah. know. And I think in some way it's uh, the balancing to that. You know, if you are a happy nerd who want to read all day or if you are the guy who want to play video games all day, 
It's not bad because that's the, you know, the typical cultural response is what you do is bad. You shouldn't do that. You should. It's like, fuck you. It feels good. I like it. Why shouldn't mm-hmm. I do it? No, do it. Balance it. Yeah, that's balance, all. Yeah. Just balance it with something else that allow you not to fall into the turning to the 60 pound dude who's in front of the console all day long. Just be in front of the console two hours. How about that? And then the rest of the time, do something else that yeah. ground you into your body. And then you can have, literally, you can have your cake and eat it yeah. too. Just like there's, it's not an either or kind of thing. Yeah. In perfect Taoism, it's this and that, not this or that. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess if we learn anything today, the most important thing is to go for it. Or if you want to get, accomplish anything in this world, you, you, we went for it. Yeah, just started. That's the only way it gets going. If it's a podcast, if it's uh, great schools for kids to get yeah. themselves straightened out, it's the most important first step. And, no, and it's hard to do it alone, right? Yeah, so, it's yeah. definitely hard to yeah. do it alone. Yeah, find a partner, hold yourself accountable, say you're going to do it, and then just you know, make it up along the way. Because it's <laughs> especially easy to go, oh, I'll just sleep another 30 minutes. But if somebody's <laughs> waiting for you, yeah. you don't want to stand them up, and yeah. it just makes it a lot easier. It's amazing how much better you are at everything when you're super busy on other projects, too. It just puts everything into perspective. Well, I'm sure two or three people out there will want to talk to you more about this. How do they get in contact with you guys? Which are the best folks to chat with? And uh, who's responsible for all this? <laughs> I think the best thing folks can do is you go to our website at guardiangym.org. Um, there's a lot of information on there, and there's ways to contact us. Um, you can follow us on Instagram or Twitter at Guardian Gym um, as well. And, you know, I think we should just say thanks to a couple people because it's not just us that have got us to this point. Um, you know, Danielle, certainly you are one of the first people I, I talked to about this. So thank you very much for your support yes, and you. guidance and just wanting to be a part of this and, of course, having us on the podcast really want to thank um, Half Gracie and my teachers at the Half Gracie School because, you know, starting a nonprofit school um, in the Bay Area I thought was going to be very difficult to do, but the teachers there and the, my friends have been extremely supportive from Kurt Osiander, who's my teacher in the city, Eduardo Fraga and Dave Clayhan, who are the teachers and owners at the Berkeley School. I, they just couldn't have been more supportive. They've donated geese. They've offered their help, and it just really made me feel very um, – it just felt really special to have that because I wasn't sure how that was going to go. And I definitely, then, Brian Stan for just you know listening to the idea, supporting it, and also teaching us what it's like to run a world class nonprofit. He is, I mean, he's a living superhero. Have you had him on the on the show? Mm-mm. He's definitely someone that I mean, he's just it's, talking to him is so fascinating. I, I bet. Yeah, we'd love to make that happen. Um, Sound awesome. And there's also another board member, Jason Hardy, who who runs a company called Music. That they're out here in LA. They're changing the world. It's wearable technology, smart headphones like the iPhone of headphones, and he's bringing all these amazing ambassadors to us also. So he he's just a phenomenal person. Yeah, and, and um, Aubrey, by the time this podcast is, is goes live, I'm sure we'll have some stuff in motion. But we've already had calls with Aubrey at on it, and he's been extremely generous and basically said whatever you guys need we're here to support you he totally sees the vision so thank you kind of in advance to him and um and yeah you can find us on twitter i'm movie pong m-o-o-b-y-p-o-n-g and joel's joel j-o-e-l-l there you go immediate unmerciful feedback (laughs) and also wanted to thank chris odell over at datsusara he was really nice enough to send us a bunch of gear, hemp bags, um, sweet fanny packs that Daniele walks around with, <laughs> a couple of, ge- couple of geese. So thank you very much, Chris. That's Sarah, home of the micro ninjas. Yeah, Chris is the man. We love you. So now it's time for us to go open up our Meister stash box. That's dot right. M-Y-S-T-E-R.com. <laughs> Richie, you're the man. Okay. <laughs> yes. See y'all. Thank you. Thank you.
Well, the Funky Music means another fine episode in the books. Those cats are all right. That's a great little program. I think it would be fine if uh, kids were able to do that. Good stuff. No, I'm very happy we had them on. I'm very happy with the project they have going on. So, excellent stuff. Hey, I have a fun little brag. Um, our, don- our, our, few, our few donating friends to Kiva, which is 120-something, which mm-hmm. isn't bad, just broke $40,000 in loans. Check you out. Nice. So, in two years. That's pretty good, guys. That's really good if you ask that me. That has been amazing. your pet project. You ran it all along. It worked. Good stuff. I'm just happy to do it, you know? And it's fun to watch, uh, you know, the donations go around and around again. I mean, I'm like at 70 donations now, but that's out of like seed money of 10. Yeah, nice. And they just roll around. I think I've lost money, like like 13 cents on one, and then one that didn't come through out of 70. So hey, not bad. You're not going to, you know, and I'm not, this is not my retirement plan. It's just kind of fun. The money's given out literally before you even see it and give the donation. So it's all done. It's all on the up and up. Beautiful. And, uh, I love it. Out. Anyway, that's pretty exciting. Yes, indeed. Uh, please remember, if you are shopping on Amazon, to use our link. Definitely. Link is, as always, in the episode notes. That would be sweet if you can do that. Um, reviews on iTunes, always appreciated. T-shirts, the whole thing. We have a four four of them in stock that are out there Taoist lecture series you know the 7,000 things that we do check out in the episode notes well I wanted to give a couple of quick shout outs we got um, I mentioned them before Om Cellars they are um, they make some awesome wine not for the cheap end of wine not for the medium end of wine real wine you need to have some serious money but it's awesome stuff. So it's one of those things. Is, um, they sent me a few. They were tasted really fucking good. They were just excellent. You know, I turned down the $250 shirt guys recently. They I just didn't think we had the exact... What was that? $250 oh, yeah, button yeah, yeah. down shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Some guy asked us to uh, put... Uh, what was it? Um, I don't even remember They would the send us a free shirt or yeah, something. Yeah, you get a shirt and, if you mention it. just sounded like it was wasting yeah, their time. Yeah, I think so. It wasn't going to... Nobody was going to buy Because if any of you can afford $250 shirts, it may be time for $25 donation <laughs> right. to your fine friends. <laughs> don't be shy. You're not going to hurt our feelings. We understand. You You must sit there in amazement like, wow, 83 episodes. These guys have really worked hard for a lot of years <laughs> to keep me entertained and, and, and you know, make a nice little show. Twice a month, first and fifteenth, you can f- almost set your clock by it, almost. But don't be afraid, fellas. Dig in, get you a couple bucks. There are twenty thousand of you out there, so let's make February, March the official Drunken Dallas. I gave two dollars because I'm not an asshole. So. <laughs> I like your. Uh, well, you know what? I do it. I give Dan Carlin five bucks every couple of months. You know, I hand it around. Uh, Wikipedia. Right. I always. I feel like. And I feel like we provide a service to our fine listeners, and I'm not afraid to ask. We could really use an upgrade in our headsets, so don't be afraid. Just imagine $2 from each of you once a year would be outstanding. Oh, yeah. We could get Is's College Fund underway. Indeed. Anyway, that's it. Well, speaking of which, let's go mention – oh, you know what? Let's go mention the nice folks who did donate in one minute. Let me just give one more shout-out real quick to uh, Cold Steel. They fed my addiction for Blade – and other weapons by sending me a katana machete, which is always... I can't even explain the joy that that brings, plus um, stuff, like a training stuff, like, um, you know... Like, like Gandalf? Yeah! 
kind of like Gandalf, you know, for perfect for Chinese martial art, Japanese martial art. It's like perfectly balanced. You can spin it. And yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. The and little John weapon. It's the one thing that I always used as um, when I would study like crazy in college and I'd spend hours and hours on the books. My break would be okay, ten minutes staff play, and I would just play with it and. Uh, it would wake me up. It would bring my energy level back up. And then I had one more hour of concentration. To I had go. a similar habit, but it was a different staff. I'm sure it was. But that may relax you too much for future. <laughs> well, let's say now thank you to the nice people who <laughs> did donate. Let the pottering begin. Ricardo Varandas, uh, who runs a podcast. I was on his podcast not so long ago. So thank you, Ricardo. Uh, Robert Primos, Maurizio Mezzatesta, Alexander Kuzner, Jonathan Waterloo, David Peterson, Aaron McLaughlin, Brendan O'Flaherty. I swore I fucked it up, but it sounds very Irish. O'Flaherty. Yeah, I like that. Oi. Lisa Robles, James Anderson, Sean Faust, Christopher Sabier, Patrick Doyle, Michael Osborne, David Peterson, Sean McLeod, and Raghav Singh. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Lead by example. Yes, indeed. Um, anything else we need to mention? No. Excited to get my Kiva Maces out. Kiva Maces. Onnit Maces yeah. out. I'm going to get my Onnit loans and my Kiva Maces out. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you go. got that straight. Yeah. Perfect. You do need that alpha brain. Start uh, start popping it. I had one this morning. That's the bad news. Yeah, no. You One, what's going to do? You need at least two. But um, Oh, and thank you also to this guy from this site, Cropodopolis.com. I'll put it in the episode. No, they sent me some awesome soaps, essential oils, stuff like that. I thought you smelled a little nicer. And Savannah stole it all in about three seconds. I saw it for a second and then it was gone, but I smell it around the house, which is nice. (laughs) And with that, without further ado, I want to wish you a very good day. And uh, that's about it. Go on and make it happen. And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as soon as they come out. You can keep track of Daniel at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1. That's R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N, the numeral one. See y'all soon. In questo caso, in questo caso, le provvidenze di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, huh? Oh man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. I have nothing against chicken other than the fact that they are ugly and weird and strange. <laughs> this was great, fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. We've been you having know, a great hour nice. here. Dun, dun, dun. 
I completely got lost. Are we doing the outro or the intro? We're outro. Oh, we're outro. Okay, sorry. So that's so let's continue. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and uh, uh, your accent? It just whatever that movie is you were trying to tell me about. Can you translate for me, please? I believe the word was Tombstone. Yeah, that one exactly. <laughs> just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> what do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work.